We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 42 months into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside the fan favorite. You know him, you love him. Somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? I'm under attack by squirrels. Oh, did you hear that? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. that's acorns landing on the roof of the building in which I, I thought sit. somebody was. Yeah, I thought somebody was hammering above you. It's what it sounded like on my end. Other than that, I'm fine. Uh, I, I, I was stupid enough to get involved in another fast book conversation today. And last night, in fact. But what's really amusing is the page, which is Leads for Europe, um, by the looks of it, they've now blocked me. So I can't actually see what comments people are making. I get a notification to say someone has said this, but I can't actually get to see it because I think they've finally had enough of me. They had nothing to come back at me with. And yeah, I'm, I may be described as a troll. But I think they're the ones that are hiding under a bridge, unaware of everything that's going on and only popping out every now and again to virtue signal. Other than that, how are you, mate? I'm fine. I, I'm fine. It sounds uh, sounds to me like you were describing the uh, the so-called alternative media, but I'm almost positive we're going to get into some of that. Uh, but before we get started here, I would like to remind everybody that we did take a big risk when we started all of this. We are not backed by fake corporate dollars that push fake agendas that make everyone hate each other. I mean, hey, if you want to support a false narrative coming out of the television and the radio day in and day out, be my guest. But wouldn't you rather support a team that's willing to do the real research, such as ourselves? So if you're interested in supporting the work that we do, we do offer additional features with our now active subscription service. Benefits include access to our instant messaging service for direct communication to us, along with early access to upcoming and sometimes unpublished podcasts, which we're currently working on uh, behind the scenes. We're looking to put something together, as well as exclusive access to our behind the scenes uncensored prep sessions, which Marty and I just had, didn't we? We certainly we did. did. Yeah. We did, yes. Some of that will not make it, unfortunately. It was a great conversation. So those that are subscribed to us will get full access <laughs> to that. So if you want to take part in this fight with us, if you're willing to support a team that's willing to do the real research and not give you fake nonsense for talking points, if you want to say screw you to the mainstream media, as I said, like Sky News, BBC, CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC, then the link is in the program description down below where you can click that and you can come on board with us and take advantage of these benefits that we are offering to you. And by doing so, you will support our work and the research that goes along with that work, which we also talked about in prep, which we'll get into a little bit here, uh, some of that research. Together, we can take the fight to the doorsteps of these frauds that are on the television, in the media, and 
on the international stage. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, together we can take action as subscriptions start at just $5 per month. With that being said, I assume that we're going to get into the obvious, and that is the Hamas and Israel conflict. You spent a lot of time Aww. in the uh, uh, in the region out there, working with uh, our allies in the uh, in the area. Now you weren't working in that part of the world, however, you have been down in that part of the world throughout your uh, career in the Royal Navy, weren't you? Yeah, uh, been through Suez many times and seen the destroyed tanks on either side. All part of the the war between Israel and Egypt at the time. Uh, and the other, you know, evidence of the other intifadas, as I believe they were known. But yeah, you, you may not get the opinion from me that that you might otherwise expect on on this. So you know, be prepared for some stiff discussions. So shall we say? And I feel a bit of a fraud because part of the intro there talking about the real research and that I I don't do research very much. I research little things. But just about everything I say on this podcast either comes from my learned experience and my lived experience, or it's an analysis of the facts I'm, I'm being presented with at the time. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get my opinion and whether or not it's based deeply in book learning research is to be yet discovered. Well, that's that's okay, uh, but we do keep you up to speed, uh, and I, I do keep you up to speed uh, on all of the research that we do put together, and I'm sure Ned keeps you apprised of the things that he does as well. So yeah, yeah, we do I, keep I, you I up do, to speed. I do, get, you, I do get properly apprised. And not, not only apprised? that, what, the, what <laughs> no, appraised is where you value something. Apprised, yeah, apprised, yeah. apprised. So you got it. You, you're, so you're quite right. Yes, the, uh, uh, the the English grammar corrections. Yes, but no, you you do have that experience. Whereas uh, a lot of people that are in the uh, the so called mainstream or even uh, alternative don't have that experience, right? So you do have that learned experience from being in the real world and continuing to have contacts in that part of the world and the day-to-day -day things that you do already. So you do have that experience, whereas a lot of people aren't privy to this kind of information. So I would say that your contribution is every bit as, every bit as valuable as the deep dives that the rest of us do. Well, that's enough about me. Let's carry on. So <laughs> you love it when I stroke your ego. You know you do. Okay, so in prep, I was going over uh, some of the uh, the things that I found in uh, in this book. Now I'm going to read. I'm going to reference a couple of books today because uh, this is part of the research that we do. This this first book. Uh, this is called Spetsnaz: The Story of the Soviet SAS. Now this is the. British publication of this book. The American publication of this book was done by a different um, a different publishing house. And the title of that book was Spetsnaz Inside the Story of the Soviet Special Forces. It was written by a GRU defector named who wrote under the name uh, Viktor Suvorov. His real name was Vladimir Rezin. But he has several books out there, one of which is called uh, Inside the Aquarium. And it was about his time in uh, in training for uh, the Spetsnaz, but he defected to the British. And I was I was reading uh, parts of this out of um, out of one of the chapters in here. What we're seeing that's happening in the Middle East right now is kind of outlined in this book, uh, and I'll explain here in just a second. The other book that I got in yesterday, uh, this book is called uh, Red Jihad: Moscow's Final Solution for America and Israel. This book was 
published in 2016. Now, you would think that given the title that I just read, you would think that this book was written and published yesterday. Of course, it wasn't. Now, how do the people that write these books, how do they have this information? Well, it's very clear. They have read the same publications, apparently, I don't know for sure, that I have read going back to the late 50s and early 60s. And we were discussing a little bit of that in prep about the education cycle uh, of things. I had said, based on the the books that I had read, uh, like The Terror Network by Claire Sterling, Terrorism, The Soviet Connection by uh, Dr. Ray Klein, who used to be a former deputy director of the Central Intelligence Agency before they drummed him out, and uh, books like uh, New Lies for Old and The Perestroika Deception by Anatoly Galitsyn. Now, these books outline specifically what was done by the old Soviet bloc within the realms of taking over radical Islam. You say, Marty, that you have a different opinion on things. Well, I think I just laid out something that is pretty much in contrast to what we hear even in the alternative side of things, because when I look at what's going on right now between Israel and Hamas, I'm not seeing through the lens that I look at things, I'm not seeing Israel and Hamas. I'm seeing the West and the Russians and the Chinese. That's what I'm seeing. And well, I'm seeing to- I'm seeing Iran being used as a proxy. Now, we can get into all of this, I, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, I, I'm seeing it differently. You know, I, I'm looking at it differently based on the research that I've done, because nearest I can tell the people, of course, that are on, on the television and the ones that are in the uh, the so-called alternative, as I said, with I, the agenda I flip now. I don't necessarily disagree with you uh, on that perspective, that those big bad actors such as China and Russia are integral to what's happening currently within Palestine and Israel. But what you have to remember uh, is something I said in prep is that the little disaffected jihadist sat there with, you know, other people who believe the same ways as they do, is looking for a benefactor, someone who's going to give them the weapons and the training to enact that jihad, to, um, to you know, to make that terrorist strike or that rather large scale invasion of irregular forces into Israel and the occupied territories. But what they have is, well, and I'm talking about the Islamic fundamentalist has, and is same with the drug cartels in South and Central America, is that they've absolutely sure of their power base. They don't have the right level of skepticism before getting into bed with China or Russia for that assistance that they desperately want to beat their enemy, which is the Christian and Jewish world, or the American law enforcement that will stop them flowing their drugs into the US and the rest of the world. So that they make these alliances and they think that they are safe. And as you said, and I agree with you, they're not safe. They're come the actual big action, they will be disposed of very rapidly because the incoming communist totalitarian regime knows exactly who they are and where they are. So whilst they are adequately doing their bit to undermine everything that is good about the West, they are ultimately already dead. And now, you know, we talked the other day, or I can't remember whether it was in a prep session or just while we were doing the prep session with Ned, these Israeli tanks that are somehow disabled and people who have just leapt out of land cruisers armed with nothing more than 
small arms are able to disable a tank and get that image that that says Israel's been beaten. You know, those kind of actions are where I would expect to find Russian special forces assisting Hamas in in doing that, to grab those images so that those images can be broadcast across the world to say Hamas is winning. That's what I would expect. That's the kind of additional support as well as the weapons, which came from probably via Iran through Afghanistan, which are all M4s. And it was the stuff that was left behind when the Western forces left uh, Afghanistan. Just right on time, as you mentioned in prep. Uh, that yeah. we did yesterday that will come out uh, later on in the week. It's, it's like Amazon, you know, next day delivery, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and we saw, but, we actually saw that. We we actually saw that during the um, the quote successful withdrawal from Afghanistan. I say that very loosely, of course. Yeah. But we actually saw that. We saw all of our stuff being loaded onto trucks and being driven across the border from Afghanistan into Iran. We actually saw that. Yeah, and obviously the funding because someone always needs to be paid somehow. Um, that's even though money's not real anymore. That six billion that two scoops released to a bank in Qatar for Iran to be able to pay for humanitarian aid, which was actually Iran's money taken from other sort other other banks ar- around the world. It, the, the the funds were seized, and two scoops decides to give it back to them via a bank in Qatar. And of course, Iran would have had the receipts already prepared that said, oh, this is for uh, 10 million um, vaccines. This is for uh, X amount of hospital beds. This is for oxygen. This is for this. But the money's actually been spent and released by that bank in Qatar on paying the jihadist leaders so that they will, you know, Hamas will uh, conduct this operation. That's what that's what it's been used for. I'm almost no. I am. I am certain. Can't prove it, but I feel certain. You um, mean to tell me that you don't believe that they were going to use all of that money for humanitarian aid to help their people? What's wrong with you? You have no heart, sir. I I do. It it might <laughs> it might be slightly I'm black very and cynical. Yes, I know. I know. I can tell. Sarcasm is our tool, not yours. But <laughs> touche. But the thing is. From the book, the Spetsnaz. What's the title of the book again, please? Uh, in in the Church of England, it is Spetsnaz: The Story of the Soviet SAS. And I will read that section again for the benefit of the listener, right. if you'd like for me um, to, to do that before uh, you comment on it. When I was a sproggy infantryman before I joined the Royal Navy, I was originally in a territorial army or reservist battalion, and our role in the event of war, because all of our regular armed forces would have been forward deployed uh, and you'd have the British Army of the Rhine along with the Americans that were there to stop the Third Shock Army pushing its way across from, um, you know, the the wall, uh, the Iron Curtain uh, across to the Western Seaboard. So our role was to protect key points within the United Kingdom. That's how serious... We were taking it back then. And that's sarcasm because they put territorial army volunteer reservists to protect those those key points. That's what that's what the plan was. 
And when we did exercise, we often used to exercise against our special forces in that we would have to go and find a eight-man team or, you know, that was split into two four-man teams uh, across a great deal of forest and countryside and track them down. They were expected, the Spetsnats, and and I, I take offence uh, at <laughs> you referring to them as the Russian SAS. I'm afraid I didn't that, say that. I'm, I'm you did. Just, you did. No, Listen no, no, back. no, no. That's the title of the book. Yeah, well, whoever wrote that. It says, um, he was a GRU defector. His name was Viktor Suvarov. It says the story yeah. of the Soviet SAS. That was the British yeah, title well, he, of the book. He, he in the US, a, yeah, in the US, it was a different title. It was yeah. Spetsnaz, the story of the uh, special uh, Soviet special forces. Yeah. Well, uh, that's an overinflated idea uh, of, of their capabilities. They are not all that great. They weren't then, and I very much doubt they've improved because the one thing that um, the Soviet bloc countries failed to do was develop their people as well as they, they perhaps could have done. Uh, and that's good because if they were any more capable, they would be difficult to handle. But the concept was that the Spetsnats, who wear a naval T-shirt, so a blue and white striped T-shirt underneath their combat clothing that's what identifies them so that they're like a marine force but of course they're they're also air mobile and given that during the early 80s late 70s how close the soviet bloc countries were to the uk then an airborne um insertion was possible also more likely would be seaborne uh insertions from submarines doing the kind of stuff that our special boat squadron does. So there we were. We were a TA or reservist battalion, and we would have been deployed to protect a vital part of our in infrastructure or military capability from highly trained, not as highly trained as the SAS, but infiltrators. Now, those board, that, that, that border, that distance is much greater. Our air defense is much greater. Our defense of the sea. And the Channel and the North Sea is much greater, and I very much doubt they would get anyone ashore. This is the thought that occurred to me earlier today. The number of fighting age males, the Albanians, that have already been put into the UK in small boats across the Channel. We're doing nothing about it, and any number of them, given in uh, how many in the last? We've lost count. It's it's thousands. Uh, in the US Getting alone, we were looking at thousand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I would okay. argue it's higher than that. That's what that's what we're told. So I'm going to go with uh, let's just double it and consider it worse. And of course, they they arrive uh, without papers, without forms of identification, without a passport, without any way of tracking them, and they disappear into either organized crime organizations or terrorist cells. And some, I dare say some, are simply looking for a better life for themselves. But they are fighting age males. They're not escaping from war because they've come from France and France isn't at war. And they've got across... Even the, Albania. The, they're, they're coming from but, Albania. And they're, they're, Albania a, a great many from Albania. And of course, Albania was formerly part of the Soviet bloc. It and was, yes. so... This is my concern, that the insertion has already happened. And if my, my fears are founded, then we're screwed. 
because we just don't know where they are, who they are, and have we got the capability to hunt them down and oh, we do. eliminate the threat. I, I believe that we do. We're, we're prevented by those uh, those agents that have infiltrated our side. Um, now, before I read this section, this is what triggered that thought that Marty was uh, was describing there. This again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil this for people because I want people to go and read the book. But Marty says that you know how dare you with the title. But he says here, uh, Suvorov says here, he says in the in the start of this chapter, he says. I do not know how or when World War III could start. Again, this this book, I should have mentioned the publication year of this, but I didn't. This was published in 1987, okay? So 1987, you think of where we are today. 1987, he wrote this. I do not know how or when World War III will start. I do not know exactly how the Soviet High Command plans to make use of the Spetsnaz in that war. The first world war in which the Spetsnaz will be a major contributor. I do not wish to predict the future. In this chapter, I shall describe how Spetsnaz will be used at the beginning of that war as I imagine it. Again, he was one of them. It is not my task to describe what will happen, but I can describe what might happen. Now, he precedes this by saying that communist leaders have also created a rubber monster, the monster known as the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, and the Soviet leaders are faced with the dilemma to expand or decline rapidly and become a flabby sack. It is interesting to note that the Soviet Union became a superpower and in the course of the most destructive war in the history of civilization. In spite of that, it suffered the greatest loss of life and the greatest destruction on its own territory. It has become a military superpower and perhaps war is essential for its existence. I can only think of China and that speech of General Chiao Chen that I sent you. He had warned in 2003 that the environment, as in like the, the, the ecological makeup of China, was collapsing and that they were going to have to move out into the world. So therefore, if you're going to move out into the world, then that means you're going to do what you've talked about before. You're going to take territory and you're going to keep it. Your only option is to expand. And therefore, war becomes essential to your existence, doesn't it? So that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Now, uh, it go ahead. Fitted straight into that, and I, I think it's worth a mention because so much is happening so fast, we are forgetting you know, recent events. Russell Brand, reforms, alcoholics, drug addict, sex addict, comedian, and intelligent man, and I reiterate, reformed, said, when you've got pharmaceutical com companies that benefit from um, medical crises, military industrial organizations that benefit from war, and energy companies that benefit from fuel shortages and crisis, it necessitates that we will be going from crisis to crisis to crisis. So with China and Russia, um, can anyone think of the last Russian thing, apart from maybe a vodka, although most of that's made in Poland these days? There go the squirrels again. Can you think of the last thing you bought from Russia? No, you can't. So what have they got? They've got their military. They've got their military organization. And if their economy starts to fail, their only option is expansionism. Now, the Chinese, on the other hand, have got quite a lot of industry. They've been gifted all of our bloody industry, our captains of industry have let greed, you know, rule their their decision making because the less they have to pay for the manufacturing of their goods, the more profit they make. So they've taken the profit at the, those profitable but not quite so profitable industries from the West and dump them all into China, where people are working for next to nothing. 
However, even the Chinese economy is failing. And so their next option is to go on to a war footing. When you're in a communist totalitarian country, your populace does what it's bloody well told. And the best way to uh, keep that populace on side is to give them an enemy and point them towards it. Otherwise, they will turn on the government. And that's what's happening. Yes. And that's exactly what uh, General Chiao Chen talked about. He says, if we don't do this, if we don't direct our people to an outside threat, then they're going to come for us and they're going to hang us. And he's not wrong. He's he's yeah. absolutely right. And by the way, I might add that uh, that general also pointed out in his speech that uh, they expected to lose if if China failed in, in their war against the United States and, and the West in general, uh, most notably the United States, if their war failed, if their biological war failed and they had to go on to a nuclear footing, that's their uh, that's their backup, by the way. And I believe COVID is a pretext to that and whatever else they've got up their sleeve. But if that failed, then they expected to lose 800 million of their population due to starvation and economic, to like total societal collapse is what they're expecting. So with yeah. that kind of with that kind of fallout, that would be exactly what you would expect and what you're talking about. Yeah. And again, <laughs> I, I play a game called, um, well, a, a series of games. It's a total war uh, series of strategy games. Um goes all the way back to the Romans, through the Vikings, through the medieval period, into Napoleonic times. And the funny old thing is, uh, you could be chugging along quite nicely, making money and being able to build things in, in this game. And then all of a sudden, one of your trade routes gets um, blockaded and you've got no money. So you have to send your armed forces into battle. And the more of them that die, that's less wages you're paying, less pensions you're paying, less mouths you've got to feed. So China, which I think has now got 1.3 billion that population. We, that we estimate, yeah, we're not exactly yeah. sure. And yeah. and that has seriously reduced in the in the last couple of decades because it was up to nearly two billion before. So well the one child policy and the aging demographics have really hurt them and they're starting to realize that now. Yeah. Uh, and and so if they lost, as you say, 800 to 900 million people, they've still got enough to keep going. And all of a sudden, they've got less mouths to feed. They've got the same amount of land. They've got the same amount of rice paddies. They've got the same amount of farms. And getting rid of your um, surplus population actually makes them stronger. It makes them stronger. If if they wanted to do that, that all depends on the uh, the upswing on the other side. Because remember, if we're talking about a communist government being in charge, they can't actually build anything. One of the biggest problems that, uh, and of course, we would we're never told this. One of the biggest problems that Russia is now facing is they're having oil shortages, as in they're having uh, fuel shortages inside of Russia. Now, if Russia is an oil rich nation, which it is. How is that even possible? Well, the reason it's possible is because you had Western companies, namely American companies, that were in there that were providing them with the technology that they needed to extract that oil and to drill for it. And with the sanctions that have happened over the last couple of years because of the Ukraine debacle, those companies left and they took all of the technology with them. On top of that, you have the Chinese that are now saying, well, we'll supply you with the things that you need. We'll supply you with the drilling and, and the, uh, the extraction tools that you need. Well, the problem is, is that the Chinese, again, they can't really build anything outside of the firecracker, but they are 
excellent at trying to copy things. So they have done the copying method to our drilling and extraction techniques from America. The problem is, in true Chinese fashion, you're lacking in the quality department. So therefore, the replacement parts that they're sending to the Russians, who's their only trading partner, aside from North Korea uh, and Venezuela, the problem is, is that these components that they're shipping them are breaking down. Again, I, I don't see a way for them to, to capitalize, even if they were to lose that many people. Now, if you look at the Russian Central Bank, what's their interest rate right now? 13%. 13%. You've got a booming economy with a 13% interest rate? I don't think so, Jack. Look at the ruble. As of two days ago, and I just pulled it from 2 o'clock this afternoon, 99.69 to 1. That's 100 to 1. That's not doing well at all. Considering that it was 100 to 1, it actually spiked over 100 to 1. They raised the interest rates to 13% or to 12% to try and combat that. It did knock it back down, but that's now caught back up with them in a very short period of time. I've got a criticism, but I'm going to pose it as a question. Do you know what ITAR is? I-T-A-R. I should know this, and I... I don't mean to embarrass you. I'll tell you no, very quickly. No, no, I should it's know the, this. I, I know. I Oh, I know. But go it's on. The it'll International Treaty on Arms yes, Restriction. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's in the and, book I actually just read. Yes, stupid. And I, was think, I was confusing it with salt. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's a strategic arms limitation. Yeah. Yes. But ITAR, um, it's all U.S. enforced legislation on NATO allies. It's the kind of rules that if you break as part of the industrial complex, whether you're an arms manufacturer or even a component manufacturer, someone who makes nuts and bolts, for instance, if one of those nuts and bolts sets are used in any military equipment, America gets to tell you who you can and can't sell it to. Okay, so why the flying didn't America put in place the same kind of restrictions on the companies that extract oil? It's as a strategic, important capability as being able to drop a bomb on someone, being able to be fuel independent, you know, energy independent is as a you know, strategically important as being able to seek out locate and destroy the enemy but no so all of this greed and where the skills and the equipment wound up did do you really think the russians would have been able to uh develop as far as they had without that external assistance absolutely it's not. all about making a buck yeah absolutely. but making a buck at what expense the expense is that your countries and allies capabilities are immediately compromised. If I make one mistake, even sending a document, I can wind up in an orange jumpsuit and in Guatmo under the ITAR restrictions. But, oh, doesn't apply to the oil industry. That's fucking stupid. I completely agree with you, 100%. Uh, and if, <laughs> if <laughs> for whatever reason, I, I, I don't understand why these deals are made out of just sheer stupidity. And, and what, why do Russians enter or why Soviets enter into 
arms deals or strategic oh, limitations because every, they every last them. one of them. Yeah, they fully they intend them. to they've got yeah. the fingers crossed behind their backs i didn't manage to actually i don't think i did manage to pose that as a question it's just an outright criticism yeah no you're you're absolutely right as a matter of fact i have a uh, have a book on that it's called why the soviets violate arms control treaties and I, I showed that to bruce and he said because they can he says i don't need an entire book to tell me that and yeah. that's that's what it is and they actually have a saying uh in, in russia it's it's um it's an old Russian philosophy, and they they abide by it. They say that even a fool is beaten up in church, roughly translated into, into English, meaning anybody that is stupid and naive enough to be cheated should be cheated, and it's immoral to not cheat them. That's how their the, mindset works. The uh, I think the American equivalent is never give a sucker an even break. Yeah. If, if you've got yeah. a sucker, bleed them dry. Take advantage yeah. of them. Well, that's yeah, but that comes from like a sociopathic, uh, usually a, a you know a scumbag. But yeah, the average. So what would you call? What would you call the um, the 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 members of the Politburo and the the? Oh, the same, the exact same. But yeah. they're they're brought up to think like that. Our people, as in, if they're raised in the right manner. Uh, when I say this, the average person doesn't think like this. You know, the average person doesn't learn how to cheat somebody else in these societies. The, the average person doesn't. Until the opportunity and necessity presents itself, then, like I say, never ignore human nature. Always have that healthy level of skepticism. And I'm afraid, you know, ultimately, it's there's about most of us have got about probably five people in the world that we could absolutely trust. To have more than that, you're doing really, really well. That is true. You're you're 100 right. Anyway, um, so I, I want to read a little bit from this book, uh, and these are the passages that I read to you uh, in prep. Uh, now, I believe he he describes in here uh, Suvorov. He describes in here two things, and it goes into greater detail. But he describes something called the overture, which I believe that we have been in for quite some time, and we're going to see more of that. You're going to see more of that mixed with what's coming. Uh, again, 1987 is when this book was published. Then he describes something called the Gray Terror, which I believe we're entering now because of what's happened in the Middle East. He says, all of these operations, because, uh, because of course, none of these events are an accident, right? And he talks about just random things happening, like uh, attempts on generals' lives or bombing of key ports or, or these types of things, bombing of oil rigs in the North Sea that are owned by the British, these types of things. And these will just be, quote, accidents. What have we been seeing with food production plants over the last couple of years? Yeah. Hundreds of them, thousands of yeah. them have gone up in flames with no explanation. What have we been seeing with our grain supplies in the West? Grain silos blown up just for no reason, because those things just happen. You see wildfires just because of climate change. Right. Uh huh. That's the ingenious storage facility in what was the, the, the city on the coast in the Med? One of the um, uh, was it a Syrian city or a, a Palestinian uh, Lebanon? Uh, Lebanon, yes, yes. The uh, fertilizer, yeah, the fertilizer no, it was a storage. it was a fireworks storage, is what they said. It, it was a fireworks storage. Uh, it, it it contained yes, it was the, fertilizer, the, it was fertilizer, and yeah. it went up enormously. It, yes. it was a. It's in Beirut. Yeah. 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 Which Beirut was actually one of the places they used as a jumping off point in the Middle East. Anyway, that's a side issue. 
all of these things have been happening, right? But And there's been no explanation for any of them. Well, now they're going to have an explanation for them, or at least so you think. Others like these events are officially known in the GRU as the, quote, preparatory period, and unofficially as the overture. The overture is a series of large and small operations, the purpose of which, before actual military operations begin, is to weaken the enemy's morale, create an atmosphere of general suspicion, fear, and uncertainty, and to divert the attention of the enemy's armies and police forces to a huge number of different targets, each of which may be the object of the next attack. I also believe that the the burning of certain people within their um, networks of agents of influence here in the West are being burned, uh, such as Epstein was the first to go. And then, of course, now you've got uh, Maxwell, which was which I believe she was the real power behind the throne. She's been now taken off the stage. She's been placed in a uh, in a place where she cannot talk. And that's where she's to stay. So she's been removed. Of course, nothing that she was involved in was ever brought out in any court of law. It was never meant to. And anybody that was in the process of trying to facilitate that being brought out, of course, was removed from the case. Same thing you're seeing with a lot of police forces across the United States, the UK and in mainland Europe. You're seeing incidents where they're involved in excessive force or that which I'm not saying that doesn't happen or their um, sexual allegations or uh, involved in in certain crimes or they're a dirty cop or something all of these things are now coming out you also have guys like Russell Brand somebody that speaks out right somebody that they haven't gotten to that could be a threat to that agenda that they have they will remove them with these types of allegations it doesn't matter if it's true or not the fact is is that it is asserted and their audiences are shown this type of stuff Phil Schofield we talked about that the whole good morning britain thing and now you're saying that his um his former co-host has been removed from uh, from the limelight as well. You've got Prince Andrew. You know these types of things. These are these are people that present themselves here in the West as people of influence. They have a massive following, and for people to see this stuff is demoralizing in and of itself. Yeah, even though I don't think they're particularly high profile. The two you mentioned in prep, which was Schofield and Willoughby. Yeah. yeah. So those two mostly harmless fairly useless individuals are or were reaching a big audience of uh, grandfathers and grandmothers the unemployed it was in the millions, was in the millions. oh yeah every, every day on daytime tv and if for any reason a tv station or an individual within the the media decided to go rogue against the narrative and speak out those are the kind of personalities that would be trusted by the, the populace. So Schofield, his sexuality and his proclivity for the younger man saw an end to his influence and allowed them to get rid of them, of him. And Willoughby has has gone off the, the radar because she's in hiding after someone has been found guilty of plotting to have her kidnapped, raped, and murdered. You know, he actually solicited a hitman, uh, and that's how he was caught. So mm-hmm. uh, so now Willoughby's off the TV as well. Not that I would pay any attention to either of those individuals. Yeah, but, but they're following it, as the intended audience. Yeah, and it is happening. You can see it. But with the Epstein stuff, now, how did he get rich in the first place? Uh, he was involved in uh, uh, in banking. He was involved in, in Goldman Sachs and these things. And I, right. I can connect that so, to, to other issues, but I'm not going to go into that today. Yeah, but 
at the end that's of the where day, I believe they compromised him was in the banking industry. To be fair, but yeah. Go on. So again, we've we've had this discussion before. Who's actually still pulling the strings? Is it the banks or is it the Soviets? Is it the communists? And who, who's actually in charge? I don't think we still know that because it's clear that Epstein's operation was all about gathering dirt on the rich and famous and the, the people with influence so that they could be used to further the narrative. Um, but whose narrative actually is it? I am still undecided. That dirt, to maybe answer your question, I'm not going to answer it directly uh, because I'm still working on it, but that dirt, to answer your question, included bankers. Right. And and so now, Ghislaine, is that how you say her Ghislaine name? Maxwell, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's effectively gagged because she's locked up somewhere where no one can get to her. So we are not being told anything. No, um, of course not. So who's got her locked up? Hmm, that is the question, isn't it, my friend? Well, let's carry on here with what Mr. Suvorov has to say. He okay. says the overture is carried out by agents of the secret services of the Soviet satellite countries, which, quote, don't exist anymore. But with the fake collapse of the Soviet Union, those networks went underground. So the intelligence services are now running all of that, at least their agents inside those um, those things with organized crime. But again, that's another story for another day. I'm not going to get into the details of that today. Anyway, uh, carried out by secret services of Soviet satellite countries and by mercenaries recruited by intermediaries. The principal method employed at this stage is the gray terror. That is a kind of terror which is not conducted in the name of the Soviet Union. The Soviet secret services do not at this stage leave their visiting cards or leave other people's cards. The terror is carried out in the name of already existing extremist groups not connected in any way with the Soviet Union or in the name of fictitious organizations. The GRU, which is Soviet or which is Russian military intelligence, still exists today with the same name, reckons that in this period its operations should be regarded as quote natural disasters. You know, all the things that were we were talking about aforementioned, you know, all the accidents, quote accidents, actions by forces beyond human control, or mistakes committed by people, or as terrorist acts by organizations not connected with the Soviet Union. The terrorist acts carried out in the course of the overture require very few people, very few weapons, and very little equipment. In some cases, all that may be needed is one man who has a weapon, nothing more than a screwdriver, a box of matches, think the wildfires, or a glass ampule. Some of the operations can have catastrophic consequences. For example, an epidemic of infectious disease at seven of the most important naval bases in the West could have the effect of having the combined naval might of the Soviet Union's enemies. And it goes on. I'm not going to get into it, but that's a, I want people to go and read the book and, and how he describes that. But these types of things... I believe we're in that period right now. I believe we're in the overture in the great in the great terror, as he described, just by what we're seeing. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. But what it's also done is people like me spent a lot of my time in the U UK armed forces. I would no longer want to fight for the people that are leading my country. It's as simple as that. I will defend my own turf, which isn't much. But I would not want to fight for these people because I just do not trust their motives. So if this plan, if this great terror is being enacted, then you've got to look at people like Rishi Sunak, like Keir Starmer, as either compromised or willing participants in the furthering of this grey 
terror. And uh, as you said before, we don't know. It, it doesn't matter what country you come from. I don't care if you're if you're German, Italian, British, Canadian, American. I don't care. We don't know who's coming into our countries right now. We don't know at all. We're being we're being bombarded with immigration tactics, illegal immigration tactics. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the concept of the passport, I think, was invented around about 1809, something like that. The actual official document that allowed you to travel abroad and come back into your own country. So we're talking over 200 years where a useful document is now ignored. You know, it, it, the, the whole immigration border crossing process, they might as well forget it. it makes me laugh. Uh, they're, they're not allowed to profile at, at airports, right? So yeah, we have to be treated like as natives, we have to be treated like trash when we go through an airport. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and as long as they somebody in a Kandora, a dish dash, a burka or a buyer through without checking them, then they're seen to be doing their bit for uh, equality, diversity and inclusion. But that that is the joke of it. I can't remember if if I said this on on a podcast, but the last time I went through an airport, um, I had to explain that I've now got titanium knees. And uh, this is in a UK airport. I walked through the scanner and, of course, the alarm went off. I stood in front of the full body scanner where you spread your arms and legs out and it works out where the metal is. And according to that bloody scanner, the metal was in my right forearm, not in my knees. So that clearly doesn't work. So you've got infrastructure no. that's designed to protect you. Uh, or protect us from terrorism and sabotage, which isn't even working properly. On the way back, the Greek security agent at the airport, again, I explained to him that I had titanium knees, and he said, that's okay, sir, come through, uh, hold out your arms. He says, every time you come through now, you get a free massage. I thought, well, at least he's got a sense of humour. I did appreciate that. But, yeah, uh, you know, it's... a there should there needs to be more profiling. Um, they need to look at the types, nationalities. Of course, everyone should be subject to the checks and measures that are in place. But at the moment, the way we're just letting people across our border is absolutely ludicrous and extremely dangerous for the reasons that I've just mentioned. In in the past, in the 80s, we expected Spetsnats to parachute in or come in via submarine. Um, and they still plan to do that, by the way. Well, what's the point if they can get them across on a on a on a rib from Calais to Dover? Well, that's what the forward. The that's the forward. They're expected to drop into the the deep rear and to neutralize targets in the deep rear while we're paying attention you, to everything else. When you say the deep rear, you mean the U.S. Yes, because or, we're or or in, in we're the still EU, your front line of defense. That is <laughs> that is true. Yes, although we well, yeah, you're going to have to be now because we just sent the Gerald Ford to the Med. Yeah, again, that that's going on in Israel and Palestine. You drew the attention to the fact that it's been the Moscow World Tour visiting 
all of the rogue nations, Venezuela, where Hamas, I believe, were, mm-hmm. uh, was it Hezbollah? There? Hezbollah. And Hezbollah. of course, you've got Hezbollah now threatening to come in through the northern border through Lebanon. And yeah. you had Sergei Shoigu, who's the Russian defense minister and one of Putin's right hands, supposedly, uh, who was on an official state visit to Tehran a few weeks ago. Yeah. So the, and they sponsor, they sponsor Hezbollah and uh, the Houthi in, in South Yemen and, yeah. uh, and, and, of course, Hamas in Palestine. So this world tour of Putin and his defense minister just a month or two after they've got back, um, what do we have? We have a massive invasion uh, in strength. And, you know, our intelligence services listen out for different types of chatter all the time. So either they knew it was about to happen or our surveillance systems aren't quite as good as we thought they are. I'll do you one better. They don't want to know. Well, that's a hard thing to, um, I think the rank and file think they want to know, but it's whoever's uh, processing whatever information, the green slime, that's what we call military intelligence, due to the color of their berets, are given them. It's how that information is used. I dare say the information was collected and processed, but it's how that information is acted upon, and it's above their pay grade as to who decides how that's done. Yes. Well, uh, I'd like to play this one clip here. This is a, a clip I've played this before of uh, of Yuri Bezmenov, uh, and he he kind of lays out here again. This this was given in 1984. Uh, he was speaking to uh, G. Edward Griffin at the time. Uh, you had mentioned that these people that make the deals with these uh, these communist bloc countries, they don't end up in the end. They they don't make it, do they? No, they they no. certainly don't. No. Uh, and this is how he explains it. All of you do-gooders here in the West, all of you professors, all of you uh, civil rights people that go out there and champion these causes, I will remind you, you don't make it. Listen very carefully. But to eliminate the others, to execute the others, don't they serve some purpose? Wouldn't they be no, the ones they, they rely they on? They serve purpose only at the stage of destabilization of a nation. For example, your leftists in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are, non, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them, when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, they, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. There you go. Straight out of the horse's mouth. But talking, uh, you know, I, I think we can just put a full stop there because that says it yeah. all. That sums yeah, up exactly what we've been talking about. But because of what's happening in the Middle East at the moment, the Palestinian ambassador was being interviewed. I think it was by someone from Sky. Um, It could have even been the BBC. I'm not certain. And all the reporter, no, the, the interviewer, wanted out of that ambassador was an answer to the question, do you condemn Hamas for its action? And the guy would not answer that question. He did engage in a bit of whataboutery in terms of the various crimes against humanity that Israel have committed on a regular basis in terms of displacement of Palestinians and the occupation of uh, territories and attacking civilians. And of course, Hamas has now 
come back and attack civilians. But the reason, I think, why the Palestinian ambassador is not going to condemn Hamas is not necessarily because he supports what they are doing and nor perhaps do large parts of the Palestinian government really want this to happen. He's saying it because if he does condemn them, his family going back to Palestine will be taken out and butchered by Hamas. You cannot get that. That's the first thing they want everyone to do is condemn the actions of Israel, condemn the actions of Hamas. But you you won't ever get anyone from a particular side doing that because the repercussions on them personally and their their loved ones would be horrendous. So the real question that the media, if the media wasn't the fake propagandist machine that it is, should be asking is how do we stop the conflict? How do we stop the need, the desire for one side or another to seek retribution on each other? And I said that again in the last podcast that I did, every time there is an occupation or a coup uh, that is backed by the West or the East, one part of society is always disaffected and that gives the opposite side uh, its power base and its starting point to get the counter coup to to happen. So, or, you know, the, the, the upheaval, the strife, the jihad, whatever you want to call it. So um, in this case, red jihad. Yeah. And again, you, you look at the communist uh, way of doing things. The first people that they get rid of are academics and religious leaders. Yes. Because they are the sort of people who can rabble rouse. They can yes. get the counter revolution going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So it's an absolute oxymoron to consider a communist holy war. It's, a, it's an oxymoron. It's I strange can't, how they do this. I, am it? I, it's it's mind-bending. I mean, if I was, I don't know, am I clever enough? Am I smart enough? Have I got enough um, tactical knowledge and strategy to become the leader of, of a large terrorist organization? I don't know if I have. I think some of these people are really smart. University educated up to the eyeballs before they're put into a position where they gather a following, but they still don't see that the allies they've chosen will shoot them through the head as soon as the allies' aims are achieved. Yep, you got it. It's it is that. It is it is that 100%, which begs the question, why do you have all those degrees again? What makes you so intelligent that you can't see uh, that? The, this this toe jam piece of crap on Fastbook. Again, you, I'll you ask, can, why do you waste your time on that? But okay. Because I enjoy giving them a hard time and I actually see being blocked from that one Facebook page for leads for Europe as an achievement because if they can't argue with you and all they can do is block you and bearing in mind I'm, I'm not calling anyone names or anything that I got called a racist for saying that Enoch Powell was right that multiculturalism hasn't worked isn't working and although I accept that rivers of blood 
haven't actually happened yet. In our streets in, in the UK, we've had massive Muslim demonstrations in support of Hamas. You've got tens of thousands of people, particularly in our northern cities like Leeds, Sheffield, Bradford, and indeed in London as well. You've got all these people on the streets out cheering, overjoyed, celebrating the murder of civilians. And remember, those are civilians on both sides, yeah. Palestinians and Jews. And Hamas has also murdered Palestinians, people who stood in their way, people who tried to stop yes. them, yes. as well as as well as Jewish settlers. Um, just, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt here. We got uh, we got some breaking breaking news here. Uh, Finland is reporting, according to their uh, their president up there, they're reporting damage to their uh, Baltic connector gas pipeline and their communi undersea communications cables, and they say that it's a result of quote external activity. So. Finland recently expressed a desire to join NATO. And they are. So in. Russia has just pissed about with its uh, energy yes. supply. Yes. But again. Um, yeah. Closing points for you. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll end. Here. Well, I, 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 I've said so much today that I have no idea how to close that off. Other than Finland, you've got, I think you've got your own oil. You've probably got some gas. You have got a metric ton of trees. So if you had to, you could have wood fire power stations, stick Russia's gas up their gas pipe, tell them to keep it. So it goes for the rest of Europe as well. The UK and the, the US, we can we can satisfy all of your oil needs, I assure you. Yeah. No, we've covered a lot today. And if I was a bit incoherent during some of it, I do apologize to the listener. But we've got to keep talking about this stuff. We have yes, got we to keep talking. Yes, we do. And nearest I can tell, we're one of very few voices that actually are on the mark here. Uh, as I said, with the uh, with the other, uh, quote, alternatives, I'm listening to them. None of them are putting any of this together. None of them, because they don't understand what's going on. So we're trying no. our damnedest. We're trying our damnedest to find out what's really going on here. And I'm, I'm sorry, that doesn't extend to just mindless rhetoric. You know, we've got to be able to, to study and go in depth as to what's actually being done here. Uh, and this goes back a long way a really long way. Uh, it's not as yeah. simple as just a, a simple conspiracy. So well, we will go I, I, yeah, go I just sorry, just this go one ahead. last thing, then mm. um, we are joining up dots. And you can make mistakes when you're joining up dots. And you can Absolutely. wind up instead of the giraffe, you wind up with a hippopotamus. However, if you follow the numbers, or in this case, follow the money and follow who benefits from each of these things that are happening, it helps you get the dots joined up correctly. And I think that's what we're doing. We're helping people join those dots up correctly and we have to keep doing it. Indeed we do, my friend. That'll do it for us for today and for this week. I'd like to thank you for being here today, my friend. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great weekend and we will see you on Monday.